0: What's going on, doofuses? Welcome back to the Bad Christian Podcast got a good one today. I think you'll like it. First, I'm going to tell you just two really interesting things. One of them is some guests for Bad Christian Conference 2019, which is going to be in Dallas on the 15th, 16th, and 17th of February. We're going to be joined by Jason Petty, also known as Propaganda, the rapper, the speaker, the awesome dude, been a guest on the podcast, and Aaron Gillespie from Under Oath, the Almost... Uh, does solo music. He's going to be performing there and talking, speaking panels. Gonna, there's a bunch of other guests coming. That's all I'm going to leak to you right now. You can buy your tickets. And good news, we've extended the early bird pricing for another week. So you have one week to get your ticket for $50 or 25% off. So act on that now if you like the tone of those two guests. And I will tell you some more awesome ones and big names starting next week. And tickets will be full price from that point on So I'd advise you to act now Additionally, Emory and O Sleeper Are going on the road in January So those tickets are important to go ahead and get In January 29th We're going to be at the Radio Room in Greenville January 30th, Murray Hill Theater in Jacksonville January 31st at the Orpheum in Tampa February 1st, Respectable Street in West Palm Beach, Florida And February 2nd, Sound Bar in Orlando Headed that way. Get your tickets for that and Bad Christian Conference in Dallas now. All right, let's do the episode. Oh, hell yeah,
1: God
2: showed up. I don't give a shit what I put in my body. You don't ever f- talk to me that way.
0: <laughs> so if you've never done oral, then you're extrovert. No, girl, it's my flesh. I, I showed my dad penis.
2: my penis when I was 25 years old. You don't get more honest than that. Three... Quack 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 doop doop doop
1: It's the Fat <laughs> you know Christian does? Podcast. Thank you for listening. We're gonna have fun today. Yes,
0: we are. Oh
1: yeah. Did you not recognize that
2: as Peewee's Playhouse? Peewee's Playhouse started. Quack 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 doop doop doop.
0: Yeah, I do recognize. Quack quack quack
2: quack doop doop doop.
1: Yep. I was thinking singing like a kid song, but I wasn't necessarily thinking of Pee Wee. I used to love that show. My God, that show was unbelievable. Oh, Oh, I'd love to
2: sit on Cherry. Oh, that chair. Oh, Oh. man. He probably masturbated um, on that chair. (laughs) 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 There there are some big big stars on that show are Phil Hartman and then... Lawrence What's the Fishburne. guy from the Matrix? Lawrence he was Fishburn. Yep, he was uh, Cowboy Bob, I think. Cowboy yep. Billy, something like that. Brad
1: Pitt, George Clooney was on it. Um, That's not that was, true. Uh, That's, Julie, not true. Julia That's Julia true. Louise Dreyfus. Uh, no, no. And Den- Denzel did two episodes. It was, I mean,
0: what a show. Bieber used to My be on God, there all the time. <laughs> Bieber show up show up every week. Every <laughs> oh yeah yeah yeah. Everybody Bieber had to be a
2: part show. of what Paul Rubin was doing at that time. <laughs> there was a time in America where
1: everybody had to be a part of what Paul Rubin was doing. Okay. Isn't it funny? Like, did he have to masturbate in a theater because, like, that was the thing getting off that way? Like, that's how he got off because even then he could he had VHS tapes if he needed to masturbate. Yeah. at his house. So it was the fact that he was at a theater. That's a certain amount of people right?
0: need to do stuff kind of in that territory. I think you know. I think like, yeah, it was probably ways. a turn-on to
1: do that. But is public. the goal? To, the goal isn't to get caught. Is to make other people like like with Louis C.K. even like. He he masturbated in front of these women. Like is the that thing. That might be
0: different still. But, I, mean,
1: I mean, both masturbated in front of people. One well, was at a porn. But yeah, I mean, it, it, w-
0: well, but there's still different not, layers and degrees. But it, I think that's the territory of that kink would be exhibitionism, which is to do things in front of people or in public or in a place where you could get caught. But that's way different. To be like doing stuff with your wife in the back of an empty subway car, trying to get away with it, and calling that exhibitionism, and the need right. to you know for, force somebody to watch you jerk off, and, and then everything in between. But I suppose they're yeah, related. But, but
1: yeah, but but Paul Rubens and Louis C.K. They both wanted to be a little bit of a power of. Oh my gosh, I'm having to watch. They watch this guy do Maybe. this. Like they like they 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 got off on somebody watching them. But they but their goal wasn't really to get caught, right? Like, they they didn't like Louis C.K. didn't think, oh man, I hope someday I get turned in. That wasn't that, Didn't part of the kink.
0: Well, yeah, but I don't know if, if Pee Wee was trying to get caught or m- forcing people to watch him, or just he just simply liked to do it somewhere where it was a little dangerous for a little edge, you know. Yeah, that's not right, the same right. thing.
2: Yeah, I always as as a kid, I always thought that it was something that he was trying to do without people seeing. Like, yeah, it might have been was that so too. turned into the movie, and he's just like, I got to do this, and then someone was like, Oh my gosh, is Pee Wee Herman
0: masturbating? Call I would lo- oh,
1: <laughs> What what movie do you think he was watching? Do you think that's on
0: online? I don't know. I don't. I don't know the story. You can look. You can look it up.
1: I'm typing it. Hey, What do you think is going to come up? I just typed into Google. What porno was Pee Wee watching? Was it a porno necessarily? <laughs> I don't know that. Yeah. All right. Well. Okay. Here we go. This comes from the smoking gun. Right at the news, man. You know what's? Oh, funny? we get some damn news. Mm-hmm, we get you know some what's damn funny right now? Funny about this too, man. He he, he has a mugshot. Uh he was in Sarasota, Florida, and he looks cool as hell in this mugshot. Like, I mean, look I mean he looks like a bad dude. But it was twenty five years ago, uh, in twenty sixteen, so it's been twenty seven years. And uh let's see, under, an undercover cop spotted him twice exposing himself inside the South Trail Cinema in Sarasota County's only adult theater, according adult to the Sarasota County okay. Sheriff's Office report. A detective watched as Rubens exposed his penis with left hand and began to masturbate at 8.35 p.m. And then again, 10 minutes later. <laughs> 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 oh, boy. He's all, oh, man. That's, that, that's, kind of, that's impressive. Wow. Um, It doesn't say which movie he was watching, though. Uh, Rubens well, placed no, really pleaded no movie. contest to the misdemeanor count and was sentenced to community service in order to pay a small fine. But the it's crazy. I fall fallout was way more. They CBS ceased airing his show on Saturday mornings. Pee Herman toys were removed from store shelves, and the comedian became a punchline for wow. countless bad jokes. Isn't that crazy? Yep. And he still was able to make a comeback. That,
2: do y'all think nowadays that is a little more socially acceptable? I mean, I'm surprised that people freaked out about masturbating at an adult movie theater. Yeah, Not I think going well, there no, to kind of be mean, on.
0: He's a children's star, though. That's the that's the issue here. That's why yeah. this is. If this would, you know, like if this was a rock star, if it happened to David Bowie, it wouldn't have been a big as big of a deal as it happened to the children's <laughs> television stars. Is, is so, kind of what th- made this. So way. they
1: said uh, over the years, reports have differed, but most likely he was either doing it to the movie Nurse Nancy or Catalina <laughs> Tiger Shark. <laughs> so okay. okay, I might have, I might have to do some more investigative research after this podcast d- d- <laughs> dive, i just mean. i'd like to go for the find you out the to... truth i mean i just i, I kind of like leave a story open-ended if you know what i mean <laughs> my god <laughs> <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> old peewee <laughs> <laughs> you know how much shit people used to get how, how i feel bad for him he got caught how much shit did people used to get away with yeah. i mean it's insane you uh, I, I don't understand how people ever even got caught back in any, back, uh, and yeah. and maybe most people didn't like i mean i don't even know how i was watching drunk history the the other day and it was uh uh booth that shot or i guess he shot uh lincoln mm-hmm. or whatever and i was like he he got caught cuz he leapt off and broke his ankle and and you know and declared he why he did it and all stuff but i mean he might have could have escaped if he just slid on out nobody like knew i don't was, i mean maybe so. i'm wrong That's does the president maybe, but i mean he was in the booth with the president I mean, yeah, just, he had it's, to sneak in, so I don't know why he couldn't sneak in. Yeah, right. Isn't that crazy? I mean, now you, there'd be a million cameras and uh, police immediately, and maybe drones. And I mean, there's just there is no escaping in the future. You just gotta. You better just not do bad stuff. Do not masturbate in a movie theater. I'm trying to warn or you. Or right kill the
0: president. Just don't do either <laughs> one. I say don't, don't do, do either, either one.
1: one of those. Stay away from it because it ain't gonna turn
0: out good for you. Right. This
2: this podcast is very helpful to people. I don't know. What I like giving people leaders. It's, it's
0: yeah. instructive. I got something else to instruct you on too. I came up with a new syndrome that. I... I have coined that I want to put out into the world. Um, And, you know, a syndrome is not exactly a disease. I'm not saying this is genetic, but it's a set of qualities, you know, like you might find in the DSM, five or six or seven or whatever it is. And uh, I want to call, I'm calling, I am calling it agreement requirement syndrome. And I've noticed. Agreement
1: requirement syndrome. Yes.
0: And many people have it. Many people have fallen ill with this syndrome agreement <laughs> a <pirate> requirement <laughs> syndrome, A-R-S. Ours. Yeah, they've got R's. Do now, I have this
2: syndrome, Matt?
0: Uh, you, you have, you, you, I don't know if you clinically the, have you, it or not, but you, you get near it in some ways, yes, and I'll tell you how. Ooh. Now, there's two types of agreement requirement syndrome. The first one, you okay. know, like bipolar 1 and 2, they're different, but yes. they're related. So this has two versions. Agreement requirement syndrome type 1 is the one where you – as a person or a group, <clears throat> require that other people agree with you. So it's like wow. you have to have the same opinion about stuff like so. And, and activists are bad about this. Like the, the activism stuff you see online is the way this happens. And it is, you have to agree. We all have to agree about this thing, like whether this is okay or that person should have a job or not. If you're not as outraged as you need to be or whatever yeah. it is, then you, then. There's something wrong with you versus, hey, le- let me be. I'll just think what I want to think. You think what you want to think. So agreement requirement syndrome is when somebody's trying to, that person has an unhealthy need to require others to agree with them. And it's often done by groups. Groups can have this thing. That's That was pretty obvious. But type two is the one that's more interesting to me or, or problematic. Type two of agreement requirement syndrome is where you feel the need to obsess over, talk about, discuss, and disclaim the amount that you do or do not agree with other individuals. That's where I find it really irritating, and I think it borders in OCD and some other kind of personality disorders there of, and mental illness. And it's when you have to say, "Now I don't." In the ba- most basic form, which I don't think qualifies you necessarily with the, for the syndrome, is when you say, "Now I don't agree with everything you say, but." Because you know how we get that a lot. That's the beginning of it. And it's almost always unnecessary to say. So it bothers me on the inefficiency level. There's like, yeah, okay. You definitely don't have to say, I don't agree with everything they say. But, But what that shows me is that that must be important. And I think that can get very unhealthy to the unhealthy degree where you're actually obsessing over and thinking about how much you agree with other people, to what degree, and what it means, and who you're aligned with, and who you're not aligned with. When all that becomes unhealthy, if you spell it out, then I think you, at that point, have agreement requirement syndrome, and it's, it's related yeah. to celebrity worship. It's related to a lot of things, and it's all a shortcut for th- what I think is real, really more important to do, which is use your own damn brain and think what you think. That is the antidote for it. That is what I want everybody to do is use your brain. You listen to everything And absorb from it how it ever it is useful, and then Mm. you forget who you heard it from because that's not important, Mm. and you'd stop thinking about if you agree with this person or that TV personality, stop spending any of your bandwidth, effort, and brain power – on determining who you align with and don't and to what degree, and, and explaining who you agree with and don't and to what degree to distance yourself from or be like, stop doing all that stuff. That is a sickness to me. It's a waste of time. It doesn't mean anything, and it's using your brain power instead of just taking in information, deciding what you think, and then thinking that way and being that way. You need not. It doesn't matter who you agree with, and all that effort is wasted. And counterproductive, and even disordered. So you tell me, Joey. Do you have agreement? Well, I, I can't
1: agree with you right now because you've ruined it.
0: <laughs> no, you can no, agree with no, me or not. No. What am I supposed to do? You, you don't need to. You I, don't have you to agree with me. You. Just engage on the topic. That's, I, that's my I, point. I mean, I can. <laughs> you don't have to. agree I can or see some
2: ex- I can see some extreme examples, in my opinion, that almost begs for someone to do that. For example. I don't agree with uh obviously I don't agree with what Hitler was trying to do but <laughs> man when he when he said
1: when he long said long. such and he such he, 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 there's no possible other yeah. uh, uh person you could think of like okay um, let's go with uh about me and Matt or just your your wife or your dad or a, a co worker. And, and
0: remember I'm describing this as an not somebody unhealthy preoccupation. To with. Not the, not the, the not that it can never be mentioned or it's not sometimes necessary to make a point of de- you know, but an an obsession. <laughs>
1: But Joey started with, like now, said, I don't agree with everything you said, Mr. Hitler. I don't agree with everything that, obviously, that now, I don't Hitler did not agree with
0: 100% of what Hitler did.
1: Of course, I want to make it clear <laughs> in this analogy. I don't agree with everything that that guy did. Now, what were you going to say?
2: Well, unfortunately, you can use I Hitler. think. Go the- ahead. I, wanna I think, it. unfortunately, the only way out of this, though, is for everybody to be less sensitive, and I'm not sure if that's possible. So let's, well, how let's it say... How is not possible? Uh, I, I don't think... Well, I don't think I can flippantly say something uh, supportive in what I learned about Bill Cosby without distinguishing myself from... Now, this isn't my role model. I Obviously, yeah, there there's not go. someone I'm trying to be like, but my gosh, did he not... Create a cool cartoon with Fat Albert, mm-hmm. and li- look at the strategy that he did. Look at how awesome he was at teaching kids and everything. It seems as if you're going to go on a rant about how cool of a cartoonist Bill Cosby is. It's just human tendency to be like, well, let me make sure you know. I don't think he should have drugged women.
0: Right? I mean, I well, just a half sentence, so You're, you're a saying half sentence ought to do it. Moving on is what I'm saying. Sure, and what? But more sure. importantly, is the is the is the thinking it's the spending all the time thinking about do I agree with this person? I, I'm in this camp. I'm well. I'm in that camp. I'm with this. That all all that's a shortcut to you not having your own ideas. Don't you understand? That's
2: yeah. What, I agree with you that. You need to just it's, get
0: information from everybody, and then you have a, your opinions. It's not I. I do not need to be a fi- defined by if I agree with uh, Joe Rogan and Rachel Maddow and to, and to what degree? Yeah. Who fucking cares? I care. You should care about what I think and what I say, and that's what I should think about and care about, what I think and what I say, not who it aligns with. That seems unhealthy to me. So less of that would be better, and a lot of people are getting closer, but for some reason, all the time now, because people are more and more afraid, I suppose. That's why I think there's fear in the environment, so you hear more and more people spending more and more effort explaining who they do and don't agree with and how much, and I find that troubling.
2: All right, so— so uh, let me give another exception, and that is the informative take. So I, I re- let's, I'm i reading um, Brian McLaren stuff. So let's say I line up pretty much exactly with what he's saying. Well, obviously, he articulates himself a billion times better than me. He's way smarter, mm-hmm. and he understands everything he's saying at a very deeper way. So it seems maybe even convenient and efficient to tell someone I kind of see the the world and faith and spirituality very similar to Brian McLaren. That seems that's to be very, very helpful, informative.
0: Useful. Good, I love it.
2: Useful, of course. So you agree?
0: That's normal. Okay, that's great. Now we'll take yeah, uh, yeah. So, so I largely agree with this person. Anyway, moving. You know, now you're. That's a good shortcut to you know getting on the same page with somebody. Right. That's fine. That's not disordered. Right. But you know what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, it's
2: almost it's it's almost like you can't. Uh, I mean, it it reminds me of the flawed rationale that I had in an earlier club episode. But it's almost like you can't really enjoy being into something unless, in your heart of hearts, you can say, "Man, I really line up with that." Right, right. You know, so, it's a
0: need of social inclusion, not one of knowledge, like uh, and growth. It's one of like which belonging is, to which, a teen. it's tribal. Which, like you know what I mean?
2: Right. Which is which is the ve- which is the same reason why people jump ship immediately when they hear something that does not tickle their ears anymore. So I guarantee you, uh, I mean, I feel like we're drastically different than the liturgist. but I guarantee you there's been liturgist listeners and bad Christian listeners that at one point was super into those podcasts, but one or two things were said, and they were just like, hell no, I'm not listening to mm-hmm. this anymore. Yeah. And yeah, That, yeah, you should that be would in a be place. very unhealthy.
0: Yeah, but the point is for you... To be respected, to be able to hear many things, and then you synthesize the things. That's the that's just the whole point. I mean, so I I see many things pushing in different directions than that. But (laughs) I need to be exposed to all manner of thinking that I disagree with in order to, and entertain those notions in order to improve my thinking. That's the point. So, not Matt. Yeah, Man, I
1: like your I like your thinking, but I think you're gonna have to change your name. Your syndrome is uh, ARS has been taking taken Oh, it I'm has looking it? right now. Oh my gosh, there's a there's just hundred and twenty different ARSs on this one page. Artist Rights Society, mm-hmm. uh Arizona are revised there any other diseases? Re- revised statutes, uh oh, American syndromes. Rhododendrons the American Rhododendron Society. Oh, I don't want to tangle with them. Uh, uh, that'd be a disaster. Air refueling you know how they squadron. Are. Uh What about this? The Alliance for the Reliberation of Somalia. You didn't even think about that, did you, dumbass? Didn't even think about that one. American Radium Society. You didn't think about that, did you, Mr. Science Guy? You weren't thinking about radium? Anesthetic uh, Research Society? (laughs) A A, lot of societies. Approximate Reasoning and Scheduling? Arkansas Southern Railroad. You didn't think about one other ARS when you named your syndrome. No, I didn't. And that was kind r-
2: of irresponsible, Matt. Yeah, I'm gonna have to uh, really consider what Toby's saying. That was irresponsible for you to bring that. Well, I apologize. Podcast I'll, podcast I'll withdraw I it.
0: It's withdrawn. It's yet to be named, but you know what you're doing. Stop talking. Stop doing it, and start synthesizing I, your own I leaf. am.
2: I am actually becoming very optimistic that things are going to change the very thing that we complain about as far as people being so tribalistic and so judgmental to anyone that doesn't agree with every single thing that you're saying. And you know, I am optimistic that it is going to be seen as so foolish and illogical that at some point people are going to be like, look, enough is enough. Mm-hmm. Like this is just a radiation maybe, syndrome.
0: Acute radio. There's a and, syndrome. <laughs> Busted. And maybe even you didn't swing give a shit about those people in the right, other with direction. radiation. You're right, Uh Joey. <laughs> I hope you're right, and I do think it's possible that all the craziness that we're in the time right now is this these early bubblings of a new version of society that's way better, something like that. Is that like yeah? These are some really yeah, weird and, outgrowths and, of a bunch of things changing that the new landscape's going to be way better in uh, 20 years or something like I don't know.
2: I think so. And if that's the case, I find it a very unreasonable thought for the pendulum to swing unhealthily in the other direction. So maybe we'll kind of find somewhat of a sweet spot. We're not gonna go back to chauvinism being acceptable in America. Right. No way. We're not gonna be able to we're not gonna go back to uh saying certain words and, and getting away with it, words that Shouldn't be said, and I'll, yeah. So. Well, we're in a wild I'm, time. I'm optimistic.
1: Let,
0: no doubt about that. Let me guess. That.
1: Let me guess. Matt's next thing. The uh, best is the yet human, to come. human indecision value.
0: <laughs> yeah, the, the human indecision <laughs> value is the next thing I'd like to discuss. It's, <laughs> HIV. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's HIV. That's my work in no, the he, no,
1: You did it again. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey, we got a, a very very interesting guest today. Caleb's coming on. He is. Uh, was uh, unfortunately friends with uh John Chow who was the missionary that went uh, to this Indonesian island and uh, all for missions and to spread the gospel uh went there uh, he's going to tell us the whole story and uh this is going They to know be the end. end
0: you can it's not
1: a spoiler or something everybody understands this guy this guy that he, he was friends with yes. John
0: was killed trying to go reach right. this tribe that nobody had ever effectively yep. reached or done this with or something. And it's know. illegal
1: to even go there. Yep. You know, you, you carry disease, we, diseases to them and all this stuff. So Caleb's going to come on and uh, this one's going to be pretty serious, but uh, hopefully uh, we're going to find out a lot. Of we
0: may have him on Skype right here, actually, right now. Um, if you'd like to pause this and read about the th- the story a little bit before we start, then feel free. Yeah. But otherwise, it, a lot this story has been going around a lot, especially in the evangelical circles. So uh, if you yep. don't already have an opinion about it, you may want to get the background details and we're going to jump right in. All right, before we get to our guests here and go any farther, I'm going to tell you about a sponsor. Now, this is probably my favorite sponsor of all because the sponsor is me. That is me as in the labeled podcast. The labeled podcast being one that I do with tooth and nail that they have helped to fund. And it's really exciting. It's a storytelling podcast that is covering the whole scene of Christian, hardcore, punk, indie, underground, that whole thing, the movement, where it came from, the history of it, and the stories, rumors, and legends within it. I'll roll you a little teaser for it here, but if you haven't checked it out, it'd mean a lot to me. I'm spending a tremendous amount of time and hours focusing on this right now. And if you like the Bad Christian Podcast, you'd have to like this one. So please go on ahead and uh, add this and subscribe to this podcast and then, you know, kick me the feedback. And I'll appreciate it greatly. All right, I'll roll this clip, and then we'll get right to our guest. I grew up, you know, listening to Christian music, and a lot of it sucked. It really was culturally so important.
1: We invited punks from the
0: streets of Fresno. You see pictures
1: of that show, dude? It don't look like no youth group show.
0: And I realized there was all these cool bands that were out there, but none of the labels were signing them.
2: It was one of the first times at that age in my life that I didn't feel alone. I was like, there's other people like me and other people that feel the way that I do. Those groups of kids were sort of creating their own identity. But I always thought, Kai it could be better, Right. You know, I've never had a frank conversation with Brandon about this, but I think it just crushes soul to live. And then you take it another level of like, you know, the punk kids, and then there's the Christian punk kids. The fact that we had a voice that was important
1: enough to be out there, because everyone that was in the tooth and nail, all the bands and all the
0: fans
1: all felt like their voice was being heard.
0: Well, Caleb, we're glad to have you on today. Um, we, we can start loose. We're rolling technically right now. Um... But we've probably got 30, 45 minutes here if you just want to talk about this topic and share a story cool. with us and tell us your involvement. Does that all sound good?
3: Sure, sounds good to me.
0: And you can he- see us and hear us, okay?
3: Yes, I can. Great.
0: Excellent. What well, sounds good and looks
3: good to me, too.
0: Okay. Well, Caleb, also, I don't even know if we know how to pronounce your friend, uh, your late friend, John. I don't even want to say his last name wrong, but how do you say his name?
3: Uh, Chow. John, John Chow. John Chow. Okay.
0: Got it. All right. Well, we're very interested to have you on the show, and we appreciate you reaching out by email. Um, And I just think we'll just sorry about your friend too. Yeah, we're really really sorry that he was your friend, but we don't know a ton about how it connects to you. We know the story generally. I think everybody in the country is Mm -hmm. kind of familiar with the story. So why don't you just take us through uh, from your point of view, who you are, how you knew John, and and we're here to
3: listen. Sure. Well, um, I'm. Currently the student and community director at Rolling Hills Baptist Church in Fayetteville, Arkansas. Um, but I only graduated in May. So um, while I was in my undergraduate program, I went to the Canadian Institute of Linguistics, or pardon, Canada Institute of Linguistics in Vancouver, um, Canada, British Columbia. Um, and it was while I was there that I met John. Um, the focus of Canada Institute of Linguistics is Bible translation based and missionary work. Um, and so that wasn't my goal for being there. It really was just linguistics training, but for most of the people there, including John, who was a student with me during that time, um, that was their purpose for being there was training for missionary work. Mm
0: -hmm.
3: Yeah. So, um, John and I had we had the same track, so we had our classes together. Um, it was phonetics, phonology, morphosyntax, uh, and language and society. He lived These on guys the same are nerds, policy. basically. Yeah, basically. Nerdy. <laughs> nerds for Nerds for Jesus. Very good.
2: Um,
3: but um, he had his room right down the hall from me. We had dinner a lot of times together, lunch a lot of times together. Um, I I go I go to a, went to a Christian university, so. I was already sick of going to chapels during the semester. And so over the summer program, I didn't go to them. Um, And most of the time, John didn't go either. Um, So we got to spend a lot of lunches together, having a lot of good conversations together, um, and really a lot of points delving into missions and what missions was supposed to mean and issues of heaven and hell and theology. Um, Yeah, I spent that summer with him. He's one of those personalities you don't forget, Um, we, uh, he was extremely outgoing, a good looking guy, um, passionate through every bone in his body about what he believed and who he believed God to be and about people in the world who needed to hear the name of Jesus. Um, so he struck everybody and everybody that was, um, has kept in contact since this, summer semester, were just devastated when mm-hmm. they found out. Let me ask a couple was, more questions uh, yeah, about about
0: John. It. So uh, for the people that aren't maybe familiar with the story or don't know him, just from the total outside, he was a missionary guy. How was he like or unlike what we typically think of as, uh, you know, a missionary, goes to other places, hands out stuff, tries to, you know, get the gospel shared in places where it hasn't been heard. It, does right. he fit the t- typical profile of somebody like that? Or is he different than, than that?
3: Uh, he's, he was very different than that. Um, he was a loner in almost every sense of the word. Um, as I said, he was a really good looking guy. Um, he, I mean, girls obviously were interested in him. He turned down um, relationships, romantic connections. Um, he f- was very much focused on doing things on his own. He was offered the ability to go to this Island with other people and do things with them, um, where he was killed, but he chose every step of the way to go this alone and believe that God had specially called him on his own alone to train and go to this particular tribe without the assistance pretty much of other missionaries or really this is unprecedented what he did in a lot of ways. So without any sort of support from the outside
0: is that, I mean, so that is kind of, uh, I don't know the word for it, but abnormal then like, uh, definitely. He, so you, you describe him as always a loner even when he's around other people, he would, um... Oh,
3: he was, he was outgoing. He was outgoing, certainly. Um, but when it came to his, when it came to his, um, the way he conducted his life. He was a wilderness medic who spent time on his own. Mm -hmm. Um, He was a hiker who spent time on his own. He traveled, although he had friends in different places, he traveled primarily on his own. He trained for this particular mission on his own. And from what we found out afterwards, um, he purposefully trained for this mission and got ready for this on his own because he knew it would be dangerous. Mm -hmm. So it was almost as if his entire life was structured around keeping away certain um, connections to people because he knew he would eventually be doing this. Ah, see. So, it like self-president,
0: yeah. like he thought it was such a risk. He didn't want to be too close to anybody because he knew he could, that he would be at yeah, least and, remote and gone. If not something like this. Yeah. Happened. and
3: Exactly. Well, definitely on his mind was the fact that he could be killed with this. Um, he uh, he made friends. He was again very outgoing, really nice guy. But at the end of the day, his life seemed to have been structured around the fact that he could die doing this, wow. and that he was not going to. He would keep his friends. He would have those people that were helping him um, before he went on this mission. But yeah, it was very much keeping people um, in a way at arm's length in case he was to die doing this. Was he did sanctioned? People, did you, you ever that? talk to Is him
1: it, about the uh, mission? yeah did, did people push back and ask, say, hey man, this might not be a good idea it, it, you know it seems like he was almost like a zealot right
3: yeah there's there's a sense in which um, it seems to have been an open secret because what he did was very very illegal um, there's it seems to have been an open secret where I had when we talked about what it means what missions is supposed to mean he mentioned this tribe specifically, but he did not give off the air the opinion that this was his single-minded mission um but at the same time as it's come out it's very clear that was his single-minded mission um
2: for how long do you think
3: oh, gosh i don't even from from what his own journal says and then from all nations um and interviews with them uh, the missions organization that he had trained with Years, This was his plan. So this
2: particular tribe has kind of been on his mind for yes. years and he's been thinking oh, about this. When's if, the last time y'all talked about it?
3: Oh, it would have been, we kept, I, we kept up with each other, not particularly, but as a group, it was a close group that summer on our Facebook page, our Facebook group that we keep up in. Um, but I, I did not think again, the open secretness, maybe I just wasn't privy to it. I and several other people that were in Um, this uh, semester, we found out from somebody who lived in India, who had seen this article come out um, about his death. Um, And there was a sense where we realized it was an open secret where everyone was like, Hey, wait a minute. I remember him talking about this. I remember him saying Mm -hmm. things about this, but so in a sense, it wasn't a shock. um, But at the same time, he let people know this was what he was trying to do. Interesting.
0: And was he sanctioned by an organization that sent him there or authorized him to go? Or is there any tires that's completely a rogue missionary effort?
3: This is where I'm in a sense frustrated and in another sense, waiting for more information. Um, All Nations, which I believe is based out of Kansas, is a missions organization that has kind of claimed him that they knew he was going to do this. He trained specifically for this with them um, and has noted that he was an all-nations missionary. But at the same time, they don't want to claim responsibility for his illegal actions mm-hmm. or the risk that he put to so many people. Um, so there's a there's a portion of both where a lot of people want to claim him as, a, as their martyr, but at the same time, we don't want to get in trouble for sanctioning what he did. I
2: mean, do you think that partly like, like when you think of his actions and what he did is what's going on in his mind is, Hey, anything that comes against me, whether it's the law, whether it's an organization, telling me not to do it, whether it's my friends pleading with me, all of that are tools of Satan to keep these people on a pathway to hell. Like, is that how his mind was operating? Like, I've got to do this. I don't care who tells me not to these souls are the most important.
3: Well, I, his journal, the pages of his journal that he, the last things he wrote are available online. Now they've been released. And what I keep reading, um, as I've gone through these over and over again is so unlike the John that I got to know over the summer. Um, but simultaneously I can see how he got there. He goes through and he says things like, you know, I can see how you have trained me for this, and I'm paraphrasing a little here, see how God you have trained me for this specific mission. Even my ethnic makeup is for this specific mission. My size is for this specific mission. Um, if I don't go, who is going to go? I can't leave here because this is my specific calling. He says towards the end of his journal that he was afraid in debating whether or not he was going to go on the island. And he claims he had a vision in which he saw the island was covered in distorted demonic spirits, um, the last stronghold of Satan, and that God's light was going to penetrate into it and destroy all these demons and destroy all these evil spirits. Hmm. So I think... So
2: do, you th- do you think that's valid or do you think, oops, mental illness?
3: I'm not... I, I can't... I don't think anybody can say directly. Um, but clearly, I I don't think this was, quote, God's will for him to go do something that was once so incredibly unwise, put so many people at risk of you know, life sentences for some of the people who brought him to this island, um, bringing disease to the islanders, um, really seemingly completely uncompa- unprepared despite how much training he supposedly went through. I I feel terrible saying it might actually be mental illness because he believed it so strongly. But it seems to me that he started with a wrong ideology, a wrong way of approaching, you know, Christianity. And what was last summer sort of dive-bombed and spiraled into this place where he's having, he's at a no going back. You either go this island or you don't. And he claims to have a vision in which he's going to somehow be successful. And yet he dies. Mm-hmm. So I, I, see, I see someone that seemed to have been vulnerable. Um, someone who had been given a wrong set of ideological presuppositions. And the amount of time he spent alone. He spent 11 days in quarantine by himself before he did this. He did not have wow. anybody to talk to while he was on that boat that spoke English. He had so much time to himself um, that I think it, I think it drove what was going on in his mind mm-hmm. all the way to the extreme.
0: So tell us more of the details about what happened, especially for people that may not have read or just—I mean—the saddest part is almost everybody has strong opinions about this and knows not the details, which has been yes. it must be frustrating to you. I'm going to talk about that. No, but what are the details yeah. like? So he did this. It was maybe with an organization. It's off the coast of India. He was training. What do you mean by training? What did he go do? And what actually, what are the details on the ground of of how he passed?
3: So it seems like he kind of did a, when with the training beforehand, that it was somewhat hodgepodge to get as much um, base level training as possible before he went over. So in his journal, he, uh, he actually outlines an IPA, the international phonetics alphabet. Um, He outlines sounds that he heard out of the Sentinelese language. Um, And that would have come from his one semester training at the Canada Institute of Linguistics says he went he went through a three week intensive training program with all nations. He was a uh, wilderness EMT. So he was really a jack of all trades when it came to his training. Um, Now, when it comes to how he actually implemented this. um, He hired. A boat of uh, fishermen to take him out to the island, North Sentinelese Island, which is very, very illegal. It's guarded by the Indian Coast Guard. It's guarded by the military. Um, and it's and, an island
0: where nobody can go or is supposed to go yeah, or has ever gone nobody, or, or what?
3: Uh, p- people have gone previously, uh, but there's been no, we don't even, we like, we know probably parts of their, what their language is like, but we don't really know their language. This tribe doesn't know how to make fire. What? That's how this. That is how wow. far removed from civilization these people are. They don't Gosh. know how to make fire, um, which is again blows my mind. How um, he's supposed to, without knowing their language, without knowing much about their culture, how he's supposed to explain to a group of people that don't know fire the evangelical mm-hmm. way of approaching salvation, which really requires this idea of a judicial system almost, and how. God's gonna punish you, right? All
2: right. So, one somebody give me a quick snapshot history lesson of of the implications of that. So that means this civilization has 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 been in that area for five thousand years, and they never caught on to technology, or did a few. Like, how, how does that happen?
3: So it looks like, if I'm remembering reading up on them correctly, um, they were um, tens of thousands of years ago this uh, population of the tribe left Africa, ended up on this island. Um, Genetically similar individuals ended up on other islands nearby. Somewhere along the way, thousands of years ago, yeah, it's insane. Somewhere along the way, thousands of years ago, this particular tribe was isolated from the tribes around it. Um, And it's pretty much stayed, except for a, a couple of touchdowns from anthropologists, a couple of explorers, um, it's pretty much stayed completely and utterly isolated since they were cut out f- off from the tribes. And that's them. on
0: purpose. I mean, we understand, I mean, what's weird about this is it's not like somebody couldn't send them fire or show it right. to them. And we know that, and we know that we could help them with medical stuff or whatever, but we've chosen not to disturb the culture. Correct. It's kind of right. like in Star Trek, right. they have the prime directive is they can go down exactly. there. You can't monkey with nothing. You got to leave right. it be. And so, that's a, a weird, I mean, it's a hard thing to even understand, but it, it gosh, you don't even, <laughs> it's so weird that they could be undisturbed, and then on some level, mm-hmm. that is so valuable that you have undisturbed mm-hmm. an undisturbed tribe of people that we've, intent. I mean, I don't even know how to think about that, because on one hand, it seems like yeah. they're this experiment yeah. of pets that we can kind of observe, and on one level, it seems like we're doing the right thing by leaving them alone, and on the other hand, it's like, couldn't maybe you send them some supplies and just drop some food for them and but but no we've kind of matt
2: matt is their sick is their seclusion purposeful like are they doing that on purpose or they don't know any better
0: what 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 do you mean though how would you answer that question
2: like, do they know that they're missing out on fire? And if they got in contact with some people, they would learn more. And but they're purposely saying, "Nope, we want to stay away from all that." Or they they, they don't know anything outside. I, I of I
0: think that. that's equivalent, though. And don't t- hear me the wrong way, but isn't that kind of equivalent of just of s- making a determination about a different species of of like of whales? How should we treat whales? Well, I don't know. Ask them. Well, how, what would do you mean? Like, how can you even begin to know? I mean, does your dog want all the food in your pantry? Probably. Should you get? I mean, I, I don't know how to answer that question so interesting and so now we're talking about monkeying with them with missionaries we don't even give medical supplies i mean Mm -hmm. it's it's a really it's kind of a it's kind of weird to think about
2: how do you know how big the population uh was justin
3: nobody really knows how big the population is um it's any it's estimated to be anywhere between a dozen and a hundred we don't know uh how
2: did they keep it down if it's that's yeah, I, I, I'm sure that's a different conversation, but I don't yeah. understand how they could have ex- existed there that long and be 100 people. It seems mm-hmm. like it'd be a huge well, population.
3: That's pretty consistent for uh, undocumented tribes. Generally, the ones that are left throughout the world, whether that's in South America, Papua New Guinea, or in, at this point, with the North Sentinelese, um, they generally have very low numbers, which is part of what makes them so vulnerable. Um missionaries have directly especially in South America have directly led to epidemics that have nearly wiped out tribes just with disease sh- yeah right you show up with a cold you show up with you show up with a cold you show up with you know you're carrying the flu which is part of why he wanted to be quarantined but that's doesn't get rid of all the diseases you could possibly have yeah. and you show up you interact with them or in John's case you die and your body is terrible as it is to think about it rotting on the beach and you are giving off all the diseases in your body to these people Mm -hmm. just by your being there you are putting them at risk for extinction
0: yeah i mean in either way you're going to alter this tens of thousands of year old thing permanently even if you're successful you will have you know changed it in this way that is kind of i mean you can understand people's reaction. I'm curious how you have reacted to seeing people react, not saying the word react too many times there, but it comes across pretty arrogant of a thing for him to even attempt to do. I mean, I understand from his point of view, it's like, well, maybe they'll all go to hell if I don't go save them. I get that. But nonetheless, that still is an extremely arrogant position. It seems like, and that's how Mm -hmm. it's come across to to people, giving rise to all manner of of responses.
3: Definitely. And, and, This is where I see an insane amount of danger for the way that evangelical culture has approached theology in general. John really believed he had a specific call, specially from God, that determined every part of his life thus far, and that only he, he writes in big capital letters, if I don't do it, who will? He wow. really believed he was the one chosen to bring this to people. They cut this out of the Washington Post and a couple of other places, but I think it's really important. He says he shouted at them in English, I love you, you know, my name is John Chow. I love you. Jesus loves you. And then the part they cut out was, and Jesus has given me authority to come to you. Wow. I I I really look at the sort of solely personal relationship with Jesus, I can read the Bible and I can have these this download from God of information isolated from the rest of historical Christianity, and that this is my call from God, God's will. Yep. And so if I do anything else, but literally go die on this island, I'm not doing God's will. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you couple that sort of isolated belief system Which I know a lot of people, I mean, a lot of people make foolish decisions based on that sort of thinking. Um, When you couple that with, you know, this island is the last stronghold of Satan and everyone on this island is going to burn in hell for eternity if I do not bring them the good news. Yeah, that's an absolute recipe for disaster. Of course,
0: and and what did happen? Like he, ha- so he hired a, I guess you can get a fisherman to do it. Who knew it just illegally? It was worth whatever thousand yeah. dollars to him or whatever it was. So he got, he bummed a ride out there, took care of that himself, and then what did he had to swim? How close to? I mean, what are the particulars? He brought,
3: there? So he made multiple contacts with them. Um, first, he had a kayak that he paddled out with. Um, he ended up not having the kayak anymore because of retreating from them when they brought bow and arrow. Um,
2: and Justin, how do we know this, by the way? Is this is this the guy that took him out there? He is, like, oh, how how John, do we know this information?
3: John left very detailed records of what happened in his okay. final days. Um, and so this is his own journal articles that have been, his own journal uh, pages that have been put out there. Um, and so John very specifically lays out what happened. He went, he um, tries to give them gifts. He tries to learn some of their language. He's repelled by them. Um, He ends up, he loses his um, kayak and they shoot an arrow at him. And it lands in his Bible, his waterproof Bible that he's holding. And apparently, I guess, protecting himself with it. And it pierces the Bible, but not him. And so he kind of sees this as well as another sign from God that he's mm. supposed to be here. You know, gives them the arrow back, which he says as well. How close was he to them? How it. close
0: did he get? You said he learned some of their language. Was did he, he gave them a gift, like he handed them a gift or left it at the beach it, for
3: them? He left it at the beach for them, threw it to them. He says he tried to stay out of, quote, arrow range. So it couldn't have been for those that had mm. arrows. So it, it couldn't have been that terribly close to right. them because this— this tribe is well known. After the uh, um, tsunami that hit the Indian coast, they the Indian government flew over the island to see whether these people were okay, and they were shooting arrows at the at the aircraft. Mm-hmm. Like these, they are very clear; they do not want people there.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: So he knew that they would have bow and arrow. He knew that was going to be a danger, and so he tried to keep the distance from those who had. Specifically, had a bow and arrow as well.
2: And Justin, when you say, when uh, a while back, when you quoted what he said, how did he know their language? Like,
3: oh, uh, he, he again, I, I'm, I'm dumbfounded at some of the ways that he approached this. Um, he didn't. He so
2: he said that in English,
3: yes, he said that he, he tried, he says that he, he says this in English. And then he says that he tried a few words in uh, – I hope I'm pronouncing this correctly – Khoisan, which is a South American language that he had studied from his missions work in South uh, South Africa and his missions work in South Africa. Um, so he didn't know their language. He writes down a couple of letters that he thinks uh, – phonetic letters that he thinks are in their language, but no, he's just going – English, and for some reason, a South African language.
0: And what does he think would happen I, I if, wonder if he, he got there? Like, How long I, from when they welcome you on the beach, you go, oh, you're not so bad. What's the pathway from that to, the, to their salvation? It's just like hard to imagine.
3: It, yes, it's incredibly hard to imagine. But, I mean, pe- people have done this with undocumented tribes before. And so I, I, I think he was really just going at it from a trusting, you know, he's had mm-hmm. some training. So, And he yeah. says that pe- he says that people will come after him. He says that in there. So I think he saw himself less as the only one and more that he could make first contact, maybe bring better people back with him, maybe make this a long-term thing. I, I don't know. Um, but he seems to indicate he will not be the only missionary who will end up on that island.
0: hmm and then what did happen? Did he get the arrows get him or what?
3: He, uh, he um, yeah, he did not have his kayak anymore. He had to leave that, fleeing from them with their bow and arrows. Um, he ended up just instead of being separated by water some, somewhat or at least a portion of land and having a way to escape, he was dropped off the plan was for him to be dropped off and literally just walk onto the beach.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, and that's what he did. Um, and so the fishermen that were there tell us that they, he was sh- immediately shot at with arrows, kept walking into the arrows, um, was shot, just shot down and killed. And then they saw the, um, is dragging his body across the beach.
0: Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry.
3: Yeah. 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 Man. And so,
1: yeah. Like he at that point I guess like you were saying, he had at that point been by himself a lot and had trained by himself all this time. And so at this point, I guess in his mind there must have been, even with them shooting arrows, he just thought, I can't there's no there's no turning back. I mean, yeah. is that is that right. what this is? Like in yeah. his mind he thought this is right, no matter what, and I have yeah. to mo- go ahead.
3: Well, there's there's a sense in his journals as well that he's somewhat ashamed of the fact that he's afraid, um, and I think I think that comes from all these all these stories that we have that you know that super create superhumans out of Christians, um, and that they're never you know martyrs aren't afraid; they go in yeah. right into it, screaming Jesus's name. Um, and so he he writes at some point something like you know, I finally did it and it's only natural, I'm afraid. He has to justify saying that he's afraid. Right. And he says, I, I, I feel, I feel regret that I panicked or I almost felt afraid or things like that where he's clearly struggling with this, with the fact that he's afraid and he doesn't want to be afraid. So when he's walking into these arrows at the final moment where he's decided from his vision from God, that, quote unquote, that he's he's got to go for it, and so fear put aside. He writes in there, perfect love casts out all fear, and he just goes for it. And
2: I mean that yeah. for for someone who has experienced a lot of spiritual oppression and mental illness, this really does not. I mean, it it is a very unbelievable story and it's got my jaw dropping because it's just so interesting and tragic and I feel bad for you, but it is not in any way outlandish to me. I mean, I, I I went out with a girl before and really liked her and felt totally convinced that God said, Nope, you cannot, you are not right with me. And so you can't. And so I just ignored her for the rest of the, and that's a silly example, yeah. but there was mental illness paired with a weird mm-hmm. spiritual oppression of being scared of doing the wrong thing that dictated my actions,
3: oh, absolutely. you know,
2: and, and you multiply that by a thousand and you go out to a remote Island to witness to people. Cause you're totally convinced that God is telling you to do that. I mean
3: that, well, I, I was raised in a really, really spiritually abusive and in many ways, physically and emotionally abusive uh, church environment. And I have severe mental illness issues. I've attempted suicide a couple of times in my life. I have daily struggles with it. But when I read this, I really understand. Because I had I had in my when I had hallucinations from my mental illness, I thought they were really I, I thought they were really from God. And I, mm-hmm. I thought they were so from God, and this just sounds insane now. In high school, after having a vision. I started a traveling evangelism show that used magic tricks that I had started learning mm-hmm. as a way to reach people and stop suicide and mental illness. Now, somewhere along the way, I realized I like I put trust in this vision that it really was from God. And somewhere along the way, when none of the things in my vision came to fruition, I went, wait a moment, that's not. That wasn't from God, and it was one of the most earth-shattering things for me. Yeah. so when I, so when I see this with John, that's what I mean that's what I have sobbed over and yeah. walked for miles over thinking about, is, if this vision isn't from God, and he spent all of this time working for one singular purpose. And he's walking into these arrows with a faith from this vision, from his personal connection with God, whatever you want to call what he calls it. What kind of letdown must he have felt as he died? Ew. What kind of just, yeah. what did he keep faith? Did he start losing? It? Did he wonder where God was? That's, that's what has hurt me the most through this, is knowing that he was a human being who got turned into memes on the internet and Mm -hmm. everybody's got an opinion on his death where I sit there and I remember my issues. And I imagine that being multiplied thousands of times over as you bleed out in the jungle, surrounded by people who want to kill you.
0: Wow. So I appreciate you sharing all that and bringing it into focus there. So then from your point of view, how then do you look at that tribe and then how do you look at what you've seen on the internet since?
3: Yeah. Um, I'm involved in a, first with the internet. I'm involved with a lot of debate groups online. Uh, I have my own that I made. I've participated in a lot of them. I've been admins and mods on them. Um, the amount of just vitriol, mockery, just... You see stories on the internet and they're bizarre and people die in stupid ways and you can crack a joke with your buddy about them but then when you see that this is a human being that you knew that you were friends with and that this seems so unlike him like that he'd be so unwise with it i probably spent hours and hours that day when i found out when it broke on the news in the next day literally hours and hours and hours just commenting on every comment whether it was on Facebook pages Facebook groups news articles just begging people to think of him as a human being mm-hmm. he's not a meme he's not a sermon illustration he was a friend and a family member and a real person mm-hmm. and well, what lot- are the
0: ways that you're seeing him when you say both a meme and sermon illustration like this I imagine, I know the memes are making fun. Well, actually, right. there's at least three things. And I would I would like for you to tell me if, what 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 they are. But isn't it some people are like, well, fuck him or whatever. Like he yeah. got what he deserved. Like that one's very gross is to the degree in which it is. They really mean it. And I've seen I saw that. Yeah. And then the, there's one where it's just like, well, it's just a joke. Like somebody died in a funny way. Yeah. And I don't know how if you take if you have any how you could. I mean, th- at some point. There's the Darwin Awards, and we've made fun of people mm-hmm. and who die right. sometimes. I don't know if there's a different line there. And then there's got to be people that are mad at the tribes and people that think he's a hero, like sermon illustration. Oh, yeah. Is that what you're saying, too? A lot of people.
3: Yeah. A lot of people. In, in the last one, a lot of people see him as a as a hero. And that's part of why I wanted to try talking about this with, you know, I talked to the New York Times. I talked to a I talked to a few people where I thought they could reach the audience, including you guys, where I thought they could reach the audience that needed to hear this. He's not he's not a hero. John was a real human being who was caught up in some bad theology that nobody turned him away from. Very few people questioned him on, and it led to his death. Mm-hmm. To idolize and, and, that, yeah. to idolize that is is wrong. To use yeah. that as something that we've looked for is it's the exact thing that caused this in the first place,
2: right, and to me, it's just a matter of taking very basic theology to its nth degree. that is what happens. like if you take the very basic components of like in my seminary studies. And to this day, I don't know what even my professors thought about this book that they had me read, and I'm pretty sure uh, because there were so many contradictions in what they had me read, like some was very Calvinistic, some was very Arminian, I mean, it's all over the book. I think they just wanted some well-roundedness, but this, this book was so offensive because the guy literally says, how many people die per second? how you know statistically what's the chances of them being a christian and gives you a numerical figure of how many people go to hell every day every hour every minute every year and basically says that is on our watch and if you are doing anything other than evangelizing and going to people and witnessing then you are doing the wrong thing and you have your priorities all messed up and i mean huh. I just don't, that, that is basic theology just taken to an extreme. I mean, yeah. depending on what side of the fence, not, not for Calvinists, but for people that see the responsibility being on humanity to get the, the word out, or people are going to go to hell and it's on us, there's no other way, There's no other way to see it.
3: It goes beyond that too, when you, when you create an ethical system based on hell and and it's it becomes quite bizarre there's a story that i heard that was a sermon illustration i heard all through growing up a little in college where this dad takes his son who is a christian and the dad's a christian too on a fishing trip in the ocean with his son's friend who is not a christian a storm rolls in knocks the son and his friend off the boat and dad has one life you know life ring to save them
2: yeah
3: and he purposefully doesn't choose his son and purposefully chooses the other kid because he knows the kid is not saved. So if you, so he throws him out and saves him because if you're weighing somebody's eternal conscious torment in hell, yeah, against having your son alive, you'll choose you'll choose to let your son die so that somebody doesn't have that eternal conscious torment in hell. And all you have to do is take that and apply that in this situation. And it 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 make from that perspective, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. You're willing to do anything just to give someone their ticket out of hell,
0: right?
1: And, and with no with no thought of the what that means to your son that drowns. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. that is just that idea of like that, that is so honorable to do that. And it, ah, gosh, I, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, it just it feels like. In a way, the, the, he was just John was just blind. Like he just there was this one thing, and that's all that mattered, no matter what. And it, that the re, the biggest thing that makes me the most sad is, of course, he lost his life to this. But how many people did he walk past that could have used and needed to hear from him? Like if it, like 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 if if sharing the gospel, there's people in your neighborhood in your city in your state in you know in, in other places that aren't trying to kill you that could maybe use a good word and to negate all of that to go to this one place because if that place got saved it it would be this uh, uh, ultimate legacy of the one one of the last places on earth uh i think i even read that somewhere like what he might have written it or somebody wrote yeah, it, like the last satan satan's last yeah. uh, stronghold or something on it and i was like man that's just like that feels so epic, and it it feels like you had to do that because help helping a few people in your neighborhood isn't as uh, you know legacy building. If you change a whole an, an island that nobody has lived on or been able to live, uh, you know you're you're something more, and that that just it seems so blind.
3: And, and that's another thing I've struggled with so deeply as I've as I've worked through this over the past week has been. You know, I I I don't think this tribe is going to hell, and I don't think I don't think it's the only opinion is that this tribe is going to hell. And I talked to John about this tribe. And I talked to John about missions. But I didn't really I, I, I kind of raised some issues in general, not specifically, but it, it's been a struggle for me. I was the quote unquote liberal kid all through college who was willing to stand up and say, There's there's no hell and not everybody goes to hell. I I've struggled with is it possible that I let John go by Mm. and I could have prevented this in some way. And that's I know that and I go I ironically that goes into the same mindset he has that none of us are immune from where you know it could have been me that could have saved him from this you know terrible tragedy. But that's that's been the only way I've been able to justify who he was as a person, because he was a good man. He did missions in other places. He was part of a soccer program in South Africa for impoverished people. Um, It's been a struggle for me that I finally have to come to the point where John was a good guy who had been given bad theology. Mm -hmm. This bad theology that we don't question enough led to him taking it to the nth degree, and that's what killed him. Mm -hmm.
0: How do you take the negative reaction online? Um, does part of you understand that, or is it just just directly, totally offensive to you? And these people are monsters that that, that make the jokes or or say he got what he deserved in in, in yeah. earnest.
3: I don't think I don't think any of them are monsters for the same reason that I have made jokes about people who have died before. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not immune from that, and I don't pretend to be. I I think it's just been shockingly eye opening. Um, to how much we see so much tragedy online every day that we used to, we used to only get in a newspaper that you didn't read every day. Um, and we get so much tragedy and so much death and so much sorrow day by day through social media and the internet. It's impossible for a human mind to comprehend and really deal with it. Well, mm-hmm. I that agree. we, we, we have to like what was it with Logan Paul, uh, the YouTube personality yeah. in the Japanese forest, he, you're dealing with tragedy when you've had so much tragedy fed to you, you're dealing with it in the face now. And you have to realize that we're not built for this. We're not built to take in that much tragedy. And so that's what you do. You minimize it. You make a joke. You, you can't comprehend all this.
0: hmm well, the jokes are the part that I do understand, and I have and will make fun of people mm-hmm. who die, especially in interesting yeah. ways, because it lends itself to jokes. Right. Not defending that necessarily in this case or anything, but I, you know, have seen some stuff online that is just absolutely kind of vile. There's at vile. least one group I'm in where it just seemed like it. It wasn't. There were not jokes. They were fuck him. That's yeah. our opinion. This is yeah. a bad a, guy that got what it deserved yeah. and we're glad I've, I've seen. And, that, yeah. and and they mean that when they say and that kind of yeah. freaks me out to see.
3: It it has for me as well, because I've had to personally deal with some of these people online mm-hmm. in the, in the groups that I'm in that previously, these have been people that I thought I had good conversations with. Um, and I I really think if you, if you do not grow up in such or spend a lot of time in such a fundamentalist culture, You don't understand it. You really don't. You can only try to force Mm. it into your worldview where, you know, he was just a he was just a arrogant ass who wanted to go out and force Christianity on this tribe. Yeah. You cannot see how mental illness is exploited. You cannot see how belief in hell that's driven into you to the point of horrific fear can twist your psychology. You cannot see how visions of martyrdom and martyrdom stories that we tell um, have shaped so much of youth culture within evangelicalism. They don't see that. And so they can't understand it. And so they can only blame John personally. Whereas having known John, I can't blame John personally. And I feel like I have to blame the bad ways we're approaching God and the bad ways we're approaching missions.
0: I think that's kind of interesting or maybe healthy in that you're not blaming the tribe and it's not a thing to go, you know, police everybody back online for reacting the wrong way or anything, you know, that's one
1: one thought I had too that. uh, I hope this ends up being the case, but I believe he, in his heart of hearts, he thought I'm going to go change these people for the better. They don't know the gospel. They don't know Jesus and they need him like I need him. So I do believe his motivations even even if it was for legacy or you know s- self-acclaim in a way uh it, like you said there might have been some mental disability there it, it it would be super uh uh helpful amazing wonderful awesome if this story was used in a way he didn't think what what if this like his life actually now goes to wait a minute maybe we do need to realize how we're teaching missions maybe we it, 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 what if John is the is the example of wait a minute this is how we brought up a guy with so much talent skill charisma looks all this stuff and this is what came of him well, maybe we should rethink how we share the gospel how we actually uh, love people, how we care for people, how we don't go do those things I mean, mission hopefully something you know? like that can yeah yeah
3: and, and and that's why as i was as I was thinking through, I thought through what I could do with this um, and and this pain I was feeling. And this anger and this disappointment, this frustration that I was feeling—what do I do with this? And that's one of the reasons I reached out to you guys in the first place. Is I think that's what needs to happen. Yeah. This needs to be a breaking point for us, where we wonder what did we do so horrifically wrong that this is a microcosm of a of a macro pro, of a macro problem. Right. Yeah. And we need we need to look at how we approach heaven and hell. We need to look at how we approach other cultures. We need to look at how we approach mental illness. We need to look at right. how we approach training. We need to look at everything and say we we failed John, and we need to make sure that never happens again
0: that's yeah. really yeah. really insightful caleb and it's it's it's, Powerful. it's, it's too. <laughs> It's just, it's real interesting because this is an anomaly, of course, like in a sense, but it's is not mm-hmm. a discountable anomaly in that all these things are very well understood and stuff like this happens all the time. It's the perfect storm of all the combination of mental illness, belief about hell, a certain tribe, a certain, I mean, it's, right. it's the perfect storm of all those to get it in the package that it's in, but every right. one of those forces. We all can name dozens of examples, and when they all line up like exactly. this, this is the result. But these things are well understood and known. This isn't like, well, exactly. they have that one guy. Biz, go back to business as usual. These types exactly. of thoughts and directions and illnesses are—they're ubiquitous. I mean, they're common. They're exactly. commonplace. I—I
3: I, yeah. I was thinking through how we treat LGBTQ people in this, and I was thinking about that hell-based ethics where for most of you know the late 20th century early 21st century we were perfectly willing to use painful aversion therapy perfectly willing mm-hmm. to criminalize and imprison people use really bad mentally abusive techniques on on teenagers and when questioned about this the answer was well what's worse a little bit of a uh, little bit of discomfort or their eternal souls right and right. that's that's the sort of thing where it, it's so many of these issues affect every aspect of toxicity that exists within the American church in a lot of ways. It is the perfect storm that brought all these together in John's death. And it should force us to take a good, hard look at what we've done.
0: Well, good luck well, Caleb, to you we, out yeah, there with that message. Yeah, thank
3: you
1: so much for sharing your story, man. I know that was difficult, but I, I appreciate what you're doing. And, and, in a way, honoring your friend and caring about him in a way he probably didn't expect, you know. But uh, I, I, we really do appreciate you joining us today, Caleb.
3: Definitely. Thanks, yeah, guys, thanks for reaching
1: out to us. All right, man. All right. Take care. If we're ever through Arkansas, maybe we'll stop by.
3: Sounds good. You're right.
1: <laughs> See ya. All right. All right, man. That was heavy.
2: Gosh, it was right I just, on. Like, I mean, I just, that
0: was real stuff.
1: Uh, thank
2: you. I mean, I mean the, the last, the last thing you said, Toby. I. I and I don't remember what it was word for word, but I, I it goes back to if there is an eternal torture chamber, then you can't expect Christians to do anything else other than take that approach. Because I agree with what he said. Well, what's what's a little bit of pain and agony here on this earth compared to eternity? So I think the only way of changing this is if people stop believing in hell. And the problem with that is... They see that as heresy.
0: Hmm. What? Yeah, let me interject here for just a second. I think I'll probably just go on ahead and make the declaration. I don't believe in hell. I never said that, but I guess uh, yeah, that'll have to do it for me.
2: <laughs> that did it. <laughs> yeah, I just had to. Go.
0: I mean, I, this conversation you know, did it. Yeah. No. Well, I, let me unpack it just a, a little bit more than that. When Joey k- first came with annihilation, annihilationism and brought that to the podcast, I didn't feel the need to also believe in annihilationism because it felt to me like another version of just a. Heuristic for reading the Bible and getting answers, and some it feels like the same thing applied that way. So I just more wanted to zoom out and not try to get something down to certainty, hell or no hell. But now I think from that time to now, with this being a, a nail in the coffin, so to speak, I'd say from a practical standpoint, it it just if it's unknown and not likely, or I don't feel strongly that there is a hell. I can certainly see the the harm in believing there's one, given the choice. I feel like there'd be more better action, more freedom, more right action in the world with at least less of an emphasis on it. So as a practical matter, it may be doing more harm than good to have that view about that hill, and I can't get out of it. And I know people think, oh, well, you've just slip-slided all the way out of all the theology you want, you don't believe in absolute truth, and blah, blah, blah. But I, I just say I don't have the certainty, and I can't see... a usefulness for that belief and that's the best I can say for it I can't see a usefulness in the belief in hell yeah. and I think we're going to cover that in uh, the conference even more and I'm going to start yeah. thinking about it more seriously but seems that way
1: I I have some thoughts too uh, we don't have to get into it now but I I, I would like to <laughs> well
2: we can really have future episodes, episode. so
0: we can start the next episode on this if you like. We've done an hour on it as it is. We'll all right, let's start Toby. with Toby
1: because yeah. I want to hear what he says. Uh, well, next episode we'll we'll start, but I, I have thoughts on hell. I, I'm different, probably, than both of you mm-hmm. with my thoughts on heaven and hell. So right. I don't. I, it'd take a while to elaborate, but we'll let's get into it. Then we'll do a whole follow
0: up episode, make a structure out of it about hell yeah. and some f- changes in faith because I've got several more things I'd like to discuss about th- about cool. this, about that too. So we'll just uh, follow it up.
2: Awesome. All right. Well, let me tip Let me tip my hat to some new BC Clubbers. If for some reason you're listening to this episode uh, or you're listening to Bad Christian for the first time, you can go to thebcclub.com and check out what it is. It's kind of like a a deeper way of being involved, deeper than just being a listener. And I don't want to downplay being a listener. We love our listeners. Thank you for listening. But these folks wanted to take an extra step, and they get... Two extra episodes, as well as being able to interact with each other on an exclusive Facebook page, which has honestly multiplied into, uh, what, 50 other groups, dating groups, LGBTQ groups, men's locker groups, women's groups. I mean, it's just, it's unreal. So, uh, and you get some things thrown your way in the mail, depending on what level you have joined. So thank you, these guys, Matt Birch, Justin Hartford, Brendan Sam Olson, Joseph Thompson, Melissa Passens, Dresden McGregor, Casey, Alex Santos, Thomas Markowski, Joey Ruh, Santos. Matthew C. Fisher, Jessica Ramerex, Ray Ray, and Ryan Christopher Pate. Very good. Thank you, guys. Yeah, thank you,
0: guys, for joining the conference. Uh, Reva, do they still get a discount on coming to the conference if they're in the club is that true they do okay well I, then one other reason all the way through yeah one other reason if you do join the club you will be getting fifty dollars off your conference ticket for good BC god so that that in itself might if you think about coming to the conference then uh yeah go ahead and join the bc club first that all kind of goes together if you notice
2: Heck toby yeah. your mom told me last night that she was joining the bc club <laughs> your mom told me that it's
1: weird Really? My mom, had, yeah, well, my mom actually had her larynx and voice box removed. Tragically yesterday. Tragically. What time yesterday was it? A year it? ago, Joey prayed with me about that, but I guess you forgot.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's, really, it's really fucking funny. I wish I could hear my mom laughing. <laughs>